Welcome to Gentle Brain Crops. I'm your host, Chelsea Myers, and today I have something fun for you. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, Austin Hare, who you may know from the commercial real estate world and even recently American Ninja Warrior. He interviewed me about entrepreneurial intelligence and some of the components that we focus on at Dental Life Coach and just my thoughts around mind management to reach big goals. And it was a great conversation, so relevant to doctors and executives in the dental industry, and I want to share it with you guys today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Secrets, where I'm your host, Austin Hare, and we focus on helping healthcare organizations scale. Today, our guest is Chelsea Meyer. She's the founder and CEO of Dental Life Coach. It's a company that focuses on entrepreneurial intelligence for dentists in DSOs. And Chelsea, thanks for hopping on the show Hey, thanks for having me. Nice to see you. Yeah, so I know we were talking before, and um, you have an interesting background, a kind of sad story on how you got into all of this, or what essentially was a awakening to you and how people process things mentally. Um, do you want to kind of dive into that on, on what happened to you when you were a teenager? Yeah, sure. So um, my parents are amazing and both really hard workers. And um, I came home from school one day and my mom, who is normally at work, was home and so was my uncle. And I was super excited for about five seconds. And then they hit me with the news that my dad had passed away in a fatal car accident that morning. And um, you mentioned how this kind of led to my awakening with, you know, thought work and entrepreneurial intelligence, emotional intelligence, and what I do now. And as I've thought about it a lot over the years, um, here's what happened. So my mom, who was always a really hard worker like my dad, just kept going. And so I think as I look back on my experiences, I was always surrounded by adults who showed me that... um, no matter how you're feeling inside, you can still go after and do what you need to do instead of, you know, allowing that situation to um, impact her in a way that didn't allow her to continue taking care of us or, you know, let things fall apart. She just true to form stayed very dedicated, very focused. And I was watching her and that gave me a really good example of what to do in my life. Like, okay, so yeah, there's this really sad thing, but we keep going. We still have goals. We still have dreams. We still have things we want to accomplish. And I just, I'm so grateful for having had that, um, example in my life. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's, um, it's interesting though, that how that kind of set you off on the path to starting, you know, dental life coach company. But prior to that, uh, you didn't start that right out of college or right out of high school. I know that you were in, uh, finance for a while. So talk to us a little bit about that. Like that was your kind of first job like in a, as a career right your first real job what was that like? yeah it was so so that was when I was 16 what we just talked about and um, I only had a few credits left in high school so I just finished those up really quick and started working on college and I knew that I was really good at uh, math and was very interested in business I always have been like how things work and how things grow and people working together and to make amazing things happen so um, I went ahead and majored in finance and before I graduated was already offered a position at Wells Fargo Bank where um, I thought what, what I was hired to do was come in and help design some systems and put those into place to make the group and organization healthier and more productive. And what I ended up learning and probably because I was drawing on my own, you know, um, personal experience and my own um 
awareness of how people work, having worked through some things myself, I was noticing that as we were putting these systems into place, the group members that I was working with, these were seasoned professionals, really smart, really capable people, were getting in their own way of creating this result. And so what started out as a finance and you know project management based position turned into more of a coaching position. I didn't know that term at the time, but I found myself spending a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, how can I motivate? What's going on here? Why this person is super capable, but why is she not excelling in this change that we're trying to make? And so that's interesting. Yeah. Tony Robbins has like the three S's. It's like your state, your strategy, um, and your story, right? Your story, state and strategy. And it's like all three of those are really important, but um, you can have the best strategy in the entire world, and if your state isn't good, if you're not in a positive mental state, then it doesn't matter because you're not going to want to, you're not going to be capable of executing. And so it sounds like that's what you discovered on your own. But I'm curious, like, how old were you at the time when you're dealing with these people? You said they're seasoned professionals that are totally capable. I mean, um, are they just much older than you? Or was it hard to, like, essentially convince them that you had credibility? Uh, that's a great question. I was early 20s, and I remember my um, <laughs> when I was brought into this this project, uh, one of my one of my leaders told me she was like, okay, now, um, kind of giving me this pep talk, and it kind of what I, my takeaway was, good luck. And I was like, gosh, I wonder why she's saying that. This seems pretty, you know, logistical to me. And it wasn't the tactical pieces of it. What she was talking about was, yes, you are in your early twenties, and these people have been doing their job for possibly as long as you've been alive, and so it's going to be quite the change. Um, the credibility, I think it really had to start with those relationships because um, everything on paper made sense, what we were trying to do and why. And it was only going to benefit and make these people's lives easier. However, like all of us, we get really used to a way we're doing something and really familiar with it and it's comfortable. And so whether it's coming from a 22-year-old or coming from you know, a 52-year-old, it doesn't really matter when you're asking someone to change something they can't really understand why you'd want to change that. Um, that's where developing those relationships first and kind of figuring out, you know, what's making them tick? What, what is their apprehension or fear about changing? And, um, I just found myself really passionate about that aspect of it, the human aspect of it. Yeah. So that's interesting because I realized early on, well, maybe this is a limiting belief, but what I found was you can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Right. And so do you feel like that was the case as well? Like, did you, were there people that weren't able to act because they were in a bad mental state or physical state or whatever, but they genuinely wanted help? Or was it people who just, um, you know, they're in bad mental and physical states and, and they didn't want help? Did you, did you, was it one or the other or was it both? It was, I think it was a combination, but I think like, um, if I had to summarize it, it would be more like, why do we need this help? Our, our group is running efficiently. However, uh, it, it had met a ceiling. And so in order for it to grow and expand the way that the company wanted it to, there had to be changes and automations and improvements in the systems in place. And so convincing them that not only is this great for the company, it's great for you and it will lighten your load. There's just going to be this temporary discomfort of learning the new strategies and tactics to getting things done from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So, um, sounds like you kind of started piecing this uh, business together while you were at Wells Fargo. Uh, like, 
Because, like you said earlier, it wasn't so much about the finance and strategy, it was about the mental side of things. And so, like, did you did you start, you know what I mean, like in your own time or we got work, is that when you kind of started, like, formulating this idea, like, how am I going to, you know, have tactical steps to put things together to motivate these people? Yeah, so I found, you know, once I put the project together, I knew what I was rolling out there, but realized there was this aspect of um, human motivation and getting these people to um, see their own talents and abilities and like how the, how not only can they execute this, but it will be fantastic and like an expansion for them. Um, I was spending a lot of my own personal time kind of taking notes and reading. I've always been a huge reader. And so um, kind of taking notes on like, okay, so this thing resonated. This is what worked. This this is what's helping these people. And I had a manager kind of looking in on this from another team. And he, um, I think everybody was kind of like, what is this girl? How, how's this all going to play out with this girl rolling out these projects with these people? And he was noticing what was happening. And he asked me, he's like, hey, so what are you doing over there? And I explained the project to him. And he was like, no, no, no. But like, what are you doing over there? Because that group, they're kind of transforming as a group. We're noticing the changes. And can I learn that too? And so wow. I was like, okay, sure. So like, I just started um, basically coaching him as well um, for that is what I was doing. Again, I didn't realize at the time that this was like a career path. I thought this was just me helping. Like, sure, let me <laughs> yeah. open up your mind. You know, let's talk about your limiting beliefs. Um, what books were you reading? You mentioned you were reading and, and doing a lot of self-education, which I think is awesome. I think that's the key to all success, you know, much way more than going to college or, or getting a formal education. And so what kind of books were you reading at the time that you were that you would think would be maybe if you just had to say like your top two most influential or, or most helpful? Um, I would, I probably have to go with authors. Like I really like Dan Sullivan uh, books. I, um, there's actually this book, it's really old. It's called As a Man Thinketh and it's not like a part of a whole bunch of books, but I think that one was the one that really, um, I was reading a biography about this man who's in business at the time I was business related and it referenced the As a Man Thinketh book, which kind of led me down this path of all of these amazing uh, mind opening and um, you know, transformational, transformational pieces. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote those down in the show notes for anybody listening. So anything by Dan Sullivan and as a man think it. So those will be ones I have to check out. Too. <laughs> um, and so it sounds like it's going really well. Um, you know, like, I don't know what caused you to transition from Wells Fargo to helping Dennis. Yeah. So I was helping that executive on the other team and he, after, after working with him for a number of months, he, I got a call from one of his buddies who was a dentist. And, um, and he'd asked if he could share my information. And this guy was like, Hey, you know, I'm, uh, I just opened a practice. I'm really struggling. I had basically what I thought I'd be doing and feeling at this point in my career. I'm not. And, um, it sounds like you helped my friend over at Wells Fargo. Can you help me too? And so at that point I, I did have a, like a blueprint of sorts to work from and help this individual. And that just really um, opened my eyes to dental. I found it fascinating. I loved working with him. Um, he became a really great thought partner for me and referred some of his friends to work with me as well and um, ended up just falling in love with the dental industry. Wow, that's cool. Um, all right, so what are some of the... we? Now that we have the story, the high-level overview, like let's talk about um, some of the different categories and some of the different like subjects of things that you address. Mm -hmm. Like where do you start? What's a good starting point? A really good starting point is awareness. Figuring out like where are you? What are your strengths? What do you know that you're bringing to the table? And where do you want to go? And what's between you and there? 
Um, because if it's something that you are personally going to be in charge of, you, then you've got to figure out what skills you need to master, what knowledge you might need to gain, what obstacles you might need to overcome. And so just by kind of laying that out, then you can get more granular with the um, tools and strategies that are going to be needed. But getting really, really clear on where we're going first and making sure that that's um, – that that's as clear as it can be. I've, I've found that the more clear you can be about where you're going and why you're doing something, it makes getting through the discomfort of getting there a lot better. So that's kind of step one is just figuring out like, what is it that you want? What's your ultimate goal? Um, and then gauging, yeah, how close or how far are you from there? Like essentially, are you on track? If not, why are you, why not? Is that kind of, am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like if I'm working with someone and they're like, well, I want to be debt free in 10 years. Okay, so then let's break that down and figure out like what do you believe that's true for you and can that be possible and if so, how? And then we can break it down further from there. Okay, what is that going to look like annually? What is that going to look like quarterly, monthly? What does that look like in your day-to-day um, expenses and choices that you make to get you to that goal? And so if it's if it's a really easy goal and it's really easy to conceptualize and believe in, then maybe there's not as much work in it. But usually when I'm working with someone on creating a result in their life, it's something that they know that they want and haven't been yet successful in figuring out how to collect both the right strategies and maintain the right momentum to get it. Yeah. So like um, in this situation, you know, you want to be debt free in 10 years. You help them develop a strategy. Now they know what to do. How would you start getting the momentum? Because it sounds like one of the problems is like there's just not a lot of momentum there. Maybe they're, they have anxiety or they have depression or they're just not motivated. Yeah, for sure. So we need to get really, really close. Sometimes it's not so much um, changing the goal. I mean, that's, that's a great goal. Um, it's not that the goal needs to change. It's figuring out why. And so if you're motivated by something like uh, you, you want to figure out those underlying beliefs. And so sometimes I'll have someone tell me, well, um, because that's what I want. And I'm like, well, why? Well, because, <laughs> because that's, I mean, it comes down to inner worth and like what they're going to believe about themselves. You know, my family's going to accept me more. My friends are going to think I'm doing great. And those really aren't motivating over the long term because there's an underlying message that right now you're not good enough. And so we've got to figure out, it's not that the goal of being debt free needs to change is that we need to figure out why, let's say that nobody was ever going to notice. Now, why do you want to do it? Do you still want to do it? And if so, why? Um, and we want to come to a place where we've got a really big goal and we're chipping away at it and we're progressing and gaining confidence. Those are the types of things that are going to motivate you. So it sounds like um, maybe there's a lot of people, even probably myself included, like, you know, that you think of a goal, you think of a why. And um, it's, a, it's a lot of like how you would classify as maybe comparative. Like, why do you want to do this and so the problem is when you when your goal is based out of comparison to other people it's not really that motivating and so you got to keep asking deeper questions to scrape past that kind of surface level why and get to the really deep fundamental why which they might not even be aware that they have is that accurate absolutely absolutely and i and i think it always comes from a really good place because they want to feel we want to feel i do this too i do things because i think of it's going to make me feel good or because it does make me feel good, right? That's why we do anything. And so mm -hmm. it's fine that being debt-free is going to make you feel good, makes me feel good. But why? It can't be because of something external because then you're giving me your power away. So we want to bring it back home and figure out what within you will be absolutely and 100% satisfying 
exclusive of what anybody else thinks, says, or does. So in that case, what would it be like in this, in this person's example, yeah. what was his underlying why? Yeah. So his underlying why was uh, pleasing family. So family had um, okay. expected a certain uh, career path out of him. He had a couple of options and he was like, okay, so now I've done that. Now I, my next step is to pay down my student loans, you know, pay down my house. And then the next step would be to become debt free and please my family. And really what it came back to was if I please my family, then I'm doing okay. Then I'm a good person. I'm a good son. I'm a good brother. <laughs> and, um, we did some work on, well, what, what is a good brother? What is a good son? Mm. Define those things for mm. me. And he was able to see that he was a good son and a good brother right now by his own definition. He just had this really old belief that there had to be these, you know, accessories on his title of brother or son before he could give himself permission to feel really good about all of the other amazing things he was already doing to contribute to his family. Well, it's fascinating. And I love that because it kind of goes full circle. So he started out with his subconscious motivation was to be there for his family, but he felt like he couldn't be there for his family because he had too much going on. He had too much debt. So then he had to get debt free. And then, but then he's feeling like he's unworthy of, you know, getting to that point. So you helped him break down. He's actually, he actually is a good son already. He's a good family member already, regardless of if he accomplishes his goal. And then by realizing that probably helped motivate him to accomplish the goal anyways. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> with like a totally different energy because now he's like fully present when he's with his family and fully engaged when he's working away from his family. Yeah. It was quite the transformation. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Um, and I know we talked a lot about the, the health and fitness component of it, um, how that all plays into it, because that's huge. Because, I mean, it's really hard to just show up if you're, if you're tired, if you're extremely overweight, um, you know, if you're not eating right or eating healthy. So what, like, how, how important do you, is that part to you? And, like, where along the journey do you guys talk about that in terms of working with you um, on the middle coach side? Yeah, it's 100% important. And um, I noticed that... I, I'm not usually the one that brings it up like, hey, so how much are you working out or what is your, they bring that to me. Um, but the reason that it's important is because it's discipline. And so anything that we accomplish in life requires discipline and the bigger the goal, the more the discipline is going to be required. And I really, really love that word. And as soon as I say it, I know that most people don't because it sounds restrictive and it sounds um, boring and it sounds like, okay, there goes all of my fun. I have found that the more disciplined that I am with my time, the more disciplined I am with my mind, the more freedom that I have. And freedom is, after all, what um, entrepreneurs are drawn to in large part, right? Freedom of time yeah. and money. It's so, it's so true. Like Jocko Willink has a quote. He talks about dichotomies a lot. Yeah. And so it's like, if you want freedom you have to have discipline. And it's like, well, the reason that I want freedom is because I don't want to be disciplined. And well, then at the end of the day, you can't ever have freedom, right? I and mean, what does that mean if you break it down? It's like, well, people want freedom in their finances. Well, you're not gonna get freedom in your finances if you're spending all of your right. money all the time, right? You have to have discipline to save. And over time, that compounds so that you can have freedom in buying whatever you want. But you wouldn't have got that without the discipline, right? You wanna have freedom with your time. And they think it means doing whatever they want, whatever they want. Well, we, we all have, you know, responsibilities and things that we have to do. So you have to structure your time, right? Maybe that means getting up earlier, doing the important things first, work, you know, hammering stuff out for the first couple hours of the day so that the latter part of your day is free. You're free to do whatever you want. And so, um, yeah, it's like, it's very true what you're saying. Like, if you want freedom, ironically, or not ironically, it's just the laws of nature, you have to have discipline to do that. And so, um, 
yeah, so those people will come to you. They talk to you about eating, uh, about, about dieting, about working out, about exercising. And so your message is essentially that they've got to start enacting some forms of discipline. Like, how do you help them get started? Yeah, I actually just took a group through um, a 30-day change. So we met for every week for 30, for 30 days. It was like four weeks. And um, a lot of people were working on health-related goals. And it's funny that you say um, what you said about wanting – you know, I want to do whatever I want with my time, but actually what we ended up discovering and what a few of my clients said was that they realized that what they wanted to do with their time was not actually what they were doing with their time. We talked about, I had them write down, you know, like what are the three most important things you want to do this week? And those who were undisciplined weren't doing those three things. They were doing these immediate pleasurable activities, whether that was, you know, eating or Netflix or whatever it was, sleeping in. It wasn't the thing. Browsing Instagram or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It didn't match with what they were saying, like their priority was for their body or for their lifestyle or whatever they were trying to change. And so I think we have to be really careful. And I coach a lot on this, being really careful about um, honoring the plans, like being in integrity with the plans that you make for yourself, because that's you, right? You're saying, Hey, this is what I want for my week or my month. And then in the moment, there's this other version of you that's saying, Hey, that actually doesn't sound very appealing. Let's not do that. So you got to choose like, which one do you want to listen to? And which one is more likely to yield you the result that you're looking for at the end of the month? And I know we were talking earlier, you were a dancer in high school and that's how you got your exercise. So can you kind of share you a little bit about your personal story with health and fitness? Yeah. So I was a dancer. I danced all through um, middle school and high school. And then, like I said, I ended up uh, finishing out high school early and going on to college. And when I made that transition, um, because I only needed a couple credits and I didn't want to extend my day, I quit doing dance my senior year and did not extend it into college. And it took a little while for my body to realize that there was a change. So um, I hadn't realized all growing up that I was working out or that, you know, that that was a workout because it was just so enjoyable to me. But my body was definitely yeah. <laughs> benefiting from it. And then um, our oldest was born my first year of college. And so I had now not been dancing for a couple wow. of years. You guys got started early, huh? <laughs> I now not, had, been, had not been dancing for a couple of years. And... Um, my body in, was drastically impacted. Like I was incredibly tired. I'd gained weight. I wasn't strong anymore. Um, I found myself getting really like winded when I'd be chasing after the baby and things like that. And um, what I think hit me in my conscience was here I am talking to um, other high performers about like, hey, we need to be on schedule. We need to, you know, be in integrity with the things that we plan for ourselves. And yet I felt like I was kind of ignoring <laughs> this other part of me that I wasn't scheduling or taking care of in a way that was um, in alignment with what I wanted for my body, which was to feel healthy and to have energy and to live a long time. How did you go about changing that for yourself? I had to start from the ground up because really I didn't know what to do. I hadn't done anything different. I was eating the same diet I'd eaten as a dancer. I was not working out. Like I said, I didn't realize it was before, so I still wasn't. And so I really just had to start from the ground up. I started with just jogging around. There was a high school track near my house. I would jog around the track and tried that. And then I was like, okay, so I feel like I'm, you know, my endurance is picking up, but it really wasn't having the impact that I wanted. And so I decided to just go from a clean slate. And for about two weeks, I only, I picked like four or five produce items that I knew that I liked and that uh, seemed to sustain me. And 
only ate those things and then decided to build on from there and became really, really aware. Like when I'd eat something new or add something to my diet, I would try and just feel like, how does that feel? How's my energy level? Do I, do I feel like this feels good in my body? Does it make me feel sluggish? And just be really intuitive about that. And if something didn't feel right, then I would just put that on like the no list because I wanted to make sure that whatever I was feeling my body with was actually going to get me the result that I was wanting. I know that's not your, like, your primary focus is not like health and fitness coach. Obviously, you know, there's a lot more things to it than that. But um, do you have any like success stories or examples of people who you've helped with in this regard? Yeah. So um, one thing that um, I do talk to people about, I, about twice a year, I do a group on intermittent fasting because it's it's gotten a lot of attention over the past couple of years and um, it can be really difficult if you're due to it. And so um, I had a client who thought that he was intermittent fasting and he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't eat until about midday and I eat for a couple of hours and you know, lunch and dinner and that's it. But when we started talking about it further, I learned that he was also not counting his um, morning coffee with all the cream and sugar. And he was also not counting his fruit smoothie. And I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> this is actually not. So the drinks weren't being counted. <laughs> um, anything in liquid form. And so we, we were able to have a conversation about that and just kind of draw some awareness, like actually, that isn't considered intermittent fasting. It would be more like water or something of that nature until your eating period. Um, but where it gets really interesting is the mind management through that process, because it's not so much taking away the smoothie or taking away the, taking away the sugar and cream. It was more, why is that so important? And he really struggled with that, not realizing that he would. So when he put that into practice, it, he realized that um, those things were pleasurable to him and that those things helped him kind of pep up for par the parts of his morning work that he didn't enjoy doing as much. You know, the patients he didn't want to see are, um, you know, the charting that was really yeah. long and winded. So um, he was saying, you know, I actually just realized that I, that was kind of a stress management for me was looking forward to the food or looking forward to the smoothie. Um, and so having to get back to, well, okay, so what do we do when we're doing something we don't want to do and we're taking away that distractor or that pleasurable piece, now what? And I really feel like that's where you enlighten yourself because you kind of draw awareness to your own thoughts about things and your own, um, what goes on in your brain when you don't like what you're going to do or you're not enjoying the thing that you're engaged in. Yeah. So what, what did you guys do exactly? So it sounds like, you know, in this situation, he wanted to intermittent fast. Mm -hmm. Um, he wasn't because he actually was relying on food almost like a crutch. Like it was helping him get through these uh, stressful times or these things that he didn't look forward to. And so you're kind of at a crossroads. It's like, okay, do you continue to allow this part? Like do you allow, you know, the kind of, I don't know if I want to say junk food, but you know, there's cream and there's sugar in the coffee. And then like, I don't know how, however healthy a smoothie was, whatever. Like it's not, at the end of the day, it's not intermittent fasting. Right. And so do you, does he decide, do you decide that you want to forego that completely and work on, you know, your mental why, or do you allow that because, um, it's worth the trade-off? Yeah. So I don't ever tell people, you know, what they need to do in their diet. I think that's a totally personal decision, but um, where I put a lot of emphasis is in making sure that you like what you're doing and why. And so if, for example, if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to intermittent fast and then I'm going to cheat or not keep that pattern three out of the seven days out of the week, that's fine. 
but I want to be really aware of why you're choosing to do that. So are you choosing to do that because that's your coping mechanism? Are you choosing to do that because, you know, you just got a call from your attorney and that's stressing you out? Like what, what is the reason? And do you really like that reason? Or do you want to develop a skill to handle those types of things without the food or without the alcohol or without whatever the thing is that you're distracting with? Am I answering mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, yeah. So what what ended up being the end result with him? Was he, was this person, was he overweight and looking to lose weight or was he just lack of energy? Like what is what was he looking to accomplish and did you guys end up accomplishing that? Yeah, he felt like he was slightly overweight and what he was looking to accomplish was um, not not feeling restricted if he didn't have the things that he wanted. And so rather than just kind of white knuckling it and being like, okay, fine, then I'll have my smoothie, you know, in two hours instead, actually being genuinely okay with that. And the the way we got to that was really processing the discomfort, figuring out where are you feeling it in your body? What is it? What thoughts are creating discomfort for you, you know, emotionally, and working through those. And a lot of times it came down to things like, well, this thing is so stressful. I don't know if I can handle it. Or this thing is so frustrating. This shouldn't be happening. And so working through those uh, deeper underlying um, thought processes really took away the need to distract from it because now we've processed it. There's nothing to distract from. Now it's just a choice. Do you want a smoothie or do you not? It's not, it's not as emotional. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so there's, and there's a lot of other things too, like, I mean, the, the mind is obviously very complex. And so I know another area that you deal with is mental health, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of the, um, like, how would you describe mental health in terms of like, what is it, healthy mind versus an unhealthy mind? And when do people kind of need help with that? Well, I think, what, you know, your mind always has to be strengthened and it needs to be conditioned. It's not like, it's like your physical health. So it's not like something you just do once or sign up for a class and now it's done. Um, it's daily and it's often. And so you've got to feed your mind. You need to be reading, learning, trying new things, having experiences. Um, what we talked about earlier, figuring out, you know, picking a goal and then hopefully it's one that you have to stretch to get to so that you can develop the skills along the way and the confidence along the way and the, um, you know, the new energy sources, learn how to create your own energy versus thinking about things as if they might be nice and never going after them because it's safer. I feel like that would be a very unhealthy Mm. mind or holding your, you know, a lot of us have a tolerance for how much discomfort we can, we're willing to take on. Um, And I think if you push just beyond that point, you're opened up to a whole new world. But if you stay within that comfort zone, um, you really limit yourself. And so I don't know if I'd classify that necessarily as unhealthy, but is it in alignment with what you want for your whole life? That's where we can figure out what's healthy for one person versus another. Can you give us an example of like a case study? Yeah. Um, So I have a client who has a financial goal. And she wants to have $100,000 in savings. And when she talks about this goal, she talks about it as though um, it's really, really far out there, something that's possible for other people that come from other situations. And she has she has an amazing upbringing and um, has conquered a lot of things and has had to work really hard to get where she's at. But what we're working on right now is that um, 
this is this is totally possible for her and she had a breakthrough last week where she just realized that every time that she's made um gotten a promotion or you know met some one of the benchmark goals along the way she goes out and spends a bunch of money because she's still working on the fact that for her her belief is people like me don't have a hundred thousand dollars in savings and so when she was able to realize that it was like the light came on and she was like oh my gosh and she started rattling off all of these things that she had done to basically sabotage her goal up to this point and so although it's not a complete case study for you i am so excited for her because now she can see she was able to tell me she was like so this is what i'm going to do next and this is how that's going to work and she's saying it from a completely different place rather than this maybe sometime in the far future this could maybe be possible for me it's like I totally get it now. Now I totally see how I am 100% in control of this and I can do it. And I, I just love those types of things. Yeah, that's great. That's really exciting to see, I'm sure to see that shift. And so in your course, I know you talk about your mind and there's like three components, which is exercising it, protecting it, cleaning it. Um, can we give some examples of each of those? Yeah, so exercising is, a, um, I touched on that where we're constantly feeding ourselves. So just like you would eat your fruits and vegetables, you've got to figure out like, what, what are you interested in? And getting things, you know, reading books, listening to podcasts, taking a class, trying new things, traveling, anything that enriches you and expands you and provides um, either clarification or opportunities to gain new ideas. So that's going to be your exercising it and then you're strengthening it. This is where I get really passionate about your discipline and planning processes. Um, because this is where you make everything happen up until, you know, the, up until the action portion, there's a lot of learning happening, but you've got to take that engaged action to make things happen. And that always requires discipline, discipline to do what you said you're going to do, discipline sticking to a plan, and especially discipline doing things where you don't even want to in that moment. I mean, I've been working out every day for several years now, and I don't want to every time. And I just ignore that and just like... Yes, I understand I don't want to. I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> like, kind of like you would ignore a small child that's saying, no, no, we don't need to do that, you know? You just ignore it, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm kind of the same way. Like, you know, I don't really necessarily love working out. Like, me and my wife do Ninja Warrior, and that that's actually fun because that's like a Yeah, sport, I saw right? you on the, the Yeah, I saw your clips. It was amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that would be an example of, um, you know, not uh, taking things to the extreme, which is, I have more of a tendency to take things to the extreme <laughs> and bite up more than I can chew. But, um, you know, with working out, it's like, I just do it. Like, I don't, I don't love it. You know, I love the feeling after yes. I'm done. I don't love the process itself, but I've been doing it for so long now that it's just part of my day. I mean, it's part of who I am. And um, it's, it's ingrained. Like, there's always, you know, because I've spent so much of my life carving out time for that. It's got a spot. It's got time. You know what I mean? It's on the schedule. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just, I think that that's the part I love about discipline is it's like, it's kind of irrelevant how you feel about it. Like being disciplined mm -hmm. means you do something because it creates opportunities and a pathway for everything else that you want to happen. And it doesn't, you can yeah. like it or not like it. That's, that's really not important. What's important is where you ultimately want to get. So I love that. And then the cleaning your mind would be making sure that anything that um, doesn't have a space, if, for example, if you're frustrated about something, it's okay to acknowledge that and 
process that. However, getting stuck in it for days or weeks at a time, it has no utility and it actually holds you back. Or um, if you find that something just doesn't feel good when you think about it, either reframing it or choosing not to think about it anymore is, again, much more high value use of your time because now you can think about and do other things rather than get stuck in this other situation. And so being really aware of what you're thinking and how it's making you feel, which we spend a lot of time figuring those pieces out and how they go together. um, It can create a lot of uh, awareness and open doors to feeling the way that you want to feel a lot more often when you figure out that you're in control of how you feel. So that's interesting. So, I mean, yeah, how would you go about that, cleaning your mind? I mean, do you take a journal? Do you write down your thoughts? Like, are you, anytime something negative happens, like, do you write it down or do you like, coach them to spend some time, you know, in the morning? Like, what does that look like? I'm a major proponent of writing. I think writing is so incredibly powerful. It's, it still amazes me. I'll like pull up my journal and I'll tell my husband, I'll be like, look, look, I wrote this thing last year and it's like happening in our life right now, but you're directing your mind on what to do. So yeah, huge proponent of writing down what you want and also draining out the stuff that you don't. What I find and what I, um, what I encourage people to do is write every single day, preferably in the morning, just get everything out on paper, everything that's worrying you, stressing you, bothering you, And then the things you're excited about, all the things. And sometimes just the act of getting it out is enough. Sometimes there are going to be things on there where that are frustrating you or pressing on you. And you'll need to make space in your day or week to deal with those things. But now that you've made the space for it and kind of organized where that'll happen, it doesn't have to circulate in the back of your mind so that while you're working on a patient, you're also thinking about that thing that you've got to do and that person that you've got to call. It's not like out in space. It's actually scheduled and you free up your mind to think and do other things until that point. Yeah, it's like kind of regurgitating all these thoughts and like getting them down on concrete form. Yeah, yeah. And, but like I said, a lot of times for me, like I just write it down and now I'm like, oh, that felt good. Now I can move on with my life. Like I don't need to even think about it anymore. Yeah. And um, I know you're a big scheduler too. So does that correlate like writing things down versus putting them on the calendar? Like how related are those two things? <sighs> so it's, it's uh, for me, I write them all down and then I plug them into the calendar um, rather than writing them down and checking them off as I go. And the reason that I do it that way and the reason that I see so much success in other people doing it that way is because, first of all, like I said earlier, once it's plugged in, you don't have to think about when it'll happen. You know when it will happen. You just scheduled it. But secondly, um, it creates a lot more organization in my time. So rather than looking at a list of 20 things to do and picking which one I want to do next. I know exactly which one to do next because it's plugged into a calendar and it's like, it's an automation. So whether you spend five minutes looking at your list or five seconds looking at your list, it's time that you no longer have to spend looking at your list and figuring out what to do next. It's already, I did that job for me. Mm. I do it once. I do it at the beginning of the week. And so, um, it also helps me, I think just know like where I have holes in my schedule. So if there's something else that comes up or something that I decide I want to do, I know exactly where to put it and it doesn't impact the things that I know I needed to do because those things are also already there. So really for me, it's about automating. It's about systematizing my life so that I can feel more free in my life. Does that make sense? I know, I know when I'm yeah. saying it, I'm yeah. like, does that even no, it's sound like, right? It's a dichotomy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a dichotomy. Yeah. If you want freedom, you got to schedule it, right? You got to be disciplined about your schedule. Yes. And I scheduled that yeah, first. I scheduled the things I want to do like 
you know, if I want to take a walk or I want to read a book, those things go on there first. They're important to me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about like the groups that you work with. Like who's your, you, you work with DSOs, mm -hmm. uh, right? Who have multiple dentists working mm -hmm. with them. Um, like when you guys, when you come in and you start implementing these strategies, what are some of the fruit that this starts to bear? Immediately the awareness is huge. And so I see a lot within the first few, um, groups I, or first few times meeting as a group, um, once people are made aware of their power that they have over their life experiences, um, you start to see a light come on immediately because um, even though it's not as simple as turning a switch on and off to, you know, get to a new place or to have all of a sudden amazing energy all of the time, just knowing that you're in control of it is really comforting to most people. I know it is to me. And so... Then figuring out from there, you know, like we talked about earlier, where do you want to go? Like, what is your goal? What is, what is, sometimes the group has a goal. Um, my client will come to me and say, Hey, this is what we'd like to work on. And then other times it's, um, working on individual pieces of the program that they show up for in those calls. And so just kind of helping people understand like where they are, where they want to go and figuring out what strategies they need to get from here to there. Yeah. So, you know, there's been a lot of. I, I, like progression, I think, and around mental health and just that term. And it's like, there was kind of like, it had a bad connotation because it assumed that you had bad mental health or that you, you know, were somehow damaged goods or broken. And people didn't want to talk about that for a long time. And so like, uh, have you seen a big shift in people and their perception of that and the connotation associated with that over the past couple of years or or even longer. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about this. So, um, I don't do diagnoses that would be more like a counselor or a therapist, but, um, what I do is I take, you know, particularly high performing entrepreneurial dentists and that are doing good, that want to feel better, that want to progress more. And so that is like, you're saying that's also mental health in the, it's going from great to amazing. <laughs> and, um, yeah. uh, and I, and so, yeah, I've, I've really loved the openness and the, there's been a lot of conversations. I know at one of the recent dental conferences, there were a lot of dental topics and a lot of non-dental specific topics that help us just grow as individuals and people mm -hmm. to progress in our goals and, um, as an industry. And it's just been really fantastic and really exciting to be a part of. Yeah. I think it's becoming more and more common to like essentially accept help to accept that you're not that we're not perfect, obviously, to accept counseling. Like counseling has become uh, very commonplace. That you know, therapy. Not that what you do is therapy, but um, it like it's related, right? And so it all opens up the door. And so there's the, it just to me it comes down to the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Like a fixed mindset essentially thinks hey, this is the way things are. This is the way they've always been, mm -hmm. and this is how I am, and this is how I'll always be, right? And it's going to be really hard to pivot and adjust and adapt to these changing times versus the growth mindset, which is the thing of like okay. This is a belief I had. Maybe that was wrong. You know, I'm not like, how can I get better? How can I continue to grow? Like constantly examining your beliefs is like, what, what was I right on? What was I wrong on? What needs to change? And so I think it all ties into this idea of like kind of humbling yourself a little bit to be in a growth mindset, doing things like this so that you can continue to grow and expand and level up. Yeah, I love what you're saying because it's like as soon as I have a conversation with you and hear your perspective, if I can be vulnerable enough to hear your perspective with an open mind, I've now expanded my resources to yours. 
because there's this, you know, whole other world of experience and um, knowledge. And if I can just be open enough to hear that maybe I'm wrong, I, I think one of the um, one of my superpowers is I don't need to be the one with the right answer. I just want the right answer. I don't need to like, you know, I don't need to be the, one yeah. with the best answer. I just want the best answer. So it can come from you. It can come from him or her. It doesn't really matter. And, um, and I think that's one of the aspects that I love about this, this mental health movement is like you're saying, it's just being okay enough and secure enough with, uh, yourself to just be like, Hey, maybe there's a better way to look at this. Maybe there's another, another strategy out there, or another thing out there that could really just amplify all the good things I'm trying to do. Yeah, no, that's great. So this has been awesome. You know, very insightful. Thanks so much for hopping on the podcast today. If there's um, like, what's the best way for somebody to reach out and get in touch if they want to learn more? Yeah, thank you. They can go to my website, uh, all the W's at dentallife.coach, actually, .coach. Dentallife.coach. Okay, perfect. I got that in the show notes. And um, yeah, again, thanks very much. And thanks, Austin. See ya. I appreciate you joining me for today's episode. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit dentallife.coach for access to additional coaching tools, as well as more episodes to help you create the dental life you truly desire. Mm -hmm.